What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and our guest today is really an inspiring expedition leader. She said, I wanted to go out and change the world, but I couldn't find a babysitter. Catherine Edsel is an expedition leader who spent her life leading scuba diving adventures and trekking adventures and all sorts of really cool, crazy experiences around the world. Then she had children, and she really had this moment where she felt like she'd lost herself a bit. And so I think what you'll love about this interview with Catherine is how she shows that you can really create the type of life and business that you want even having young children. And so she talks about how she restarted a new business, being an expedition leader, where she could bring her children along and negotiate some things at home so that she could do some trips just for women. She runs some really cool experiences. Now, the other thing that's cool about talking with Catherine is that I found out about her in my local business magazine. So this just goes to show, it's so funny, I don't even usually pick it up, but for some reason, I picked it up that month flipped through, found Catherine's story, and it was so interesting. So even if you're building your business online, don't overlook going for these local media sources. Almost everybody's local city or town has some sort of local business magazine. Why not pitch yourself to be in it? Have them write a little profile about you or write an article because you never know who's going to find it. Now, I've got two new things to share with you this week. The first is I know a lot of you listening are obviously health coaches and wellness practitioners, but there's also quite a few people listening who are thinking about getting into the wellness space. So you're thinking about a career in wellness. So if you're thinking about becoming a health coach, because I get this question all the time, should I become a health coach? Where should I train? Is it really worth it? Can you really make money being a health coach? All these kind of questions. So I spent a few days last week putting together what I'm calling my health coaching decision kit. It's specifically for people that are not yet health coaches. So if you're thinking about signing up for health coach certification or health coach training, you're going to want to check this out because in it, I'll walk you through my personal story of what health coach training has meant to me and kind of my journey to it, as well as the questions that you need to ask yourself if you're thinking about being a health coach, because just because you love health and wellness doesn't mean you need to train as a health coach. So I'll help you make that decision. If you'd like to get your free decision kit, you can get that at wellpreneuronline.com slash decision kit. The other thing, I just want to give you a heads up that we just ran a few weeks ago. We finished the Spring Alchemy and Action course. It was the very first one and it was amazing. It was magical. And we all really like just stepped into the flow of the season to let things happen more easily in our lives and our work. And the summer edition is just around the corner. So next week, I'm going to be sharing details about Alchemy in Action Summer. And I'd love, if you're interested, I'd love for you to join us. So just a little sneak peek. There's no place to go sign up yet, but stay tuned because I'll tell you more about that next week. Okay, now this is going to totally inspire you, this interview. You'll probably want to go on some crazy expedition after hearing this. So let's get over into our interview with Katherine Edsel. 
Hi, Catherine. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. So I came across you. Actually, this is a great story for everybody listening that the benefit of just putting yourself out there in various locations, because I discovered you through one of those free business magazines that they put through the door because we live in the same area. And I read about your business and I thought that's so cool. I need to have her on the show. So really cool that it worked out that way. Oh, thank you. Yes. I mean, for me, that was, again, I've never really done anything like that. So just putting my name out there, um, you never know what's going to come back to you. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start by if you could just tell people, how do you explain what it is that you do? How do you describe that? Okay, so my name is Catherine Edsel, and I lead the Matriarch Adventure, which is a transformational expedition for women to really get out of their own environment and have an amazing adventure in an incredible environment. We track desert elephants in Namibia. So that's basically what we do. That's awesome. So I want to talk all about that. People listening are probably like, whoa, that sounds so cool because it's quite different from like the typical wellpreneur that we'd have on the show. Um, but I think it, it definitely fits into wellness, actually, what you do and adventure. So can you take us back to kind of the origin story? Where did you start and how did you come up with this idea for the matriarch adventure? Okay, so I always led expeditions since I was in my late 20s. I worked for different expedition companies. I did biodiversity science expeditions. And I, re- I mean, I've always done yoga as well, interestingly. And I've when I've even done these expeditions, I've always incorporated yoga with the program. But then I had my kids. And when I had them, it was a real sudden shock to my system that I hadn't really anticipated that I just couldn't continue leading expeditions like this anymore. I kind of thought it would be a bit easier than it was. And it turned out to be quite challenging for me. So It took me a while to get back into that world. And when I did, I don't know, there was something missing, I suppose. And I noticed that there was other mums in the playground. There was, you know, friends of mine who were saying, oh, you're so lucky you're getting in, you're doing expeditions. You know, you're always on an adventure. Why can't we join in? And I thought, you know what, I I could do something for them, for including women who wouldn't normally do this kind of thing. And and looking at it more as a, a transformational experience, so just, you know, reclaiming a bit of your old life, because I think, well, I don't know, I can speak for many of my friends, but once you have children, you feel like you leave a lot of yourself behind, and you don't do the things you you love doing, and you don't really give yourself the space to even really think about that. So these expeditions are not just for mothers, although it does tend to attract that sort of demographic, but for any woman who is in a transition period who just wants to, you know, just blow it all out and just really see what they want to do next. Mm -hmm. So I listened to your TEDx London talk, which is linked from your website, if anyone wants to take a listen. It's really, really thought provoking. And you lead off your TEDx talk with a quote on a card that you received, which is, I wanted to go out and change the world, but I couldn't find a babysitter. (laughs) And yeah, (laughs) so brilliant that because I think a lot of women will really relate to that. Like, oh, there's all the stuff I wanted to do, but I can't. Now, let me just say, as my listeners know, I don't have children, but I think most people listening do. And I hear that a lot that, you know, there's all these dreams that they even with their businesses, there's all these things they want to create. They want to run retreats, but they just can't figure out how to make it work. So how did you start like that first time after you'd had your daughters and you said, "Okay, I want to start doing these expositions again to get back in touch with that part of myself? How did you actually make that happen? 
Well, it started, I mean, that card was very pivotal and my brother sent that to me and it was something that I stuck on my fridge and I looked at day after day thinking, you know, this is so true. I feel so trapped. And I think because I am an adventurer, you know, in my nature, it got, but you can't do very extreme things with little children. So it got to the age when they were about four and six respectively. And I, there was a massive Easter holiday. I think it was the Royal Wedding of Kate and William and and all the schools are on this extended Easter break. And I was just like, I have to go away. So I took the kids and we went and volunteered in an elephant sanctuary in Thailand, which was incredible. And when I came back, I was really inspired to do more of this kind of things. And if I couldn't get a babysitter, then I'd just take the kids with me. This seemed like my next solution to the problem. And a friend of mine said, well, you know, if you become a dive master, then you can you can lead dive expeditions. And I'd always done diving, but I never thought about it in an expedition sense. So I quickly did my dive master training course, you know, on my kitchen table in Kingston, not in, no, not in the Bahamas or anything. But then I did all the open water. I just took three weeks and went out to Gozo and, and did that. And then I took the children to Indonesia and I worked as a dive master on conservation dive programs out in a very small island on in the middle of the Banda Sea off southeast Sulawesi. And the kids came too, which was incredible because it meant that, you know, they could play and stay with the local children and learn how to fish with their feet and, you know, catch uh, sea urchins and all that kind of thing. And I could teach and dive and lead these expeditions underwater. So it was kind of a bridging thing where the kids were very much part of it. And when I came back from I did actually that for three summers consecutively. And when I came back, we, well, I started to look at more independent expeditions that I could lead without them, just short ones. And a lot of the diving ones are quite short. So I did a lot more diving then, and I still do it now, but yeah, that was sort of my transition process. Mm -hmm. And does your husband come and take care of the kids or you just, I mean, how does it, how does that work? (laughs) If you don't mind sharing. So So he came for the beginning of the first expedition to Indonesia. He came out um, just while I was sorting out childcare over there. But actually, you know, Indonesians, well, Thai, you know, lots of, you know, in Southeast Asia, they love children, you know, really love children. So it wasn't very difficult to find a family that would look after them when I was not available. Mm -hmm. And the family we found actually had two daughters uh, two girls that were very similar to my girl's age. So they got on really well, even though they didn't speak the same language. They just muddled through and, you know, they're still friends now and they you know Skype each other and stuff like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's very sweet. I think so. I've got a girlfriend who before she had children traveled all over the world, you know, for an entire year, her and her husband traveled around the world and they're just they travel quite a bit. And when they had kids, one of the places they love is India. And so they took mm-hmm. them as in you know, a toddler and a baby to India and people were like, horrified that what are you doing taking your kids to India and she's like well there's kids there's loads of kids in India (laughs) (laughs) and they love kids like it's totally fine and it's funny how it's just the unknown I think it's so Mm. it can be so intimidating for us yeah no definitely and it's it's just about feeling that you're secure yeah and I'm I'm quite used to not being that secure so it's not such it's not so daunting for me I suppose (laughs) Let's talk about this idea of adventure. I mean, what have you noticed when women, what's the benefit of experience? I mean, I know what the benefit is, but like, what are some of the changes that you notice as women start to kind of trust themselves and and follow these, go on adventures like this? I mean, 
it's actually incredible to see the transformation because it's not always that people don't transform in the way they necessarily think they're going to. You know, people come and they find, you know, they think they're going to find the heat difficult. They think they're going to find the living in close proximity to other people difficult. But it's actually the dirt that gets them or the fact that it's so hot and they can't get any space. And, you know, so there's different things that impact people in different ways. But these sort of uncomfortable things are often the the things which give them the greatest achievement when they come back. So the transformation happens in that respect, as well as sort of the well-being side of things, which is the meditation and the, you know, the group conversations around the campfire, the just experience of having that close proximity to nature and extreme wilderness environment, which, you know, we're completely in and I'm a bit it's a massive landscape. So it definitely it hits people in different ways for different reasons. There's no sort of there's no one way through it at all for anybody. On a personal note, what has surprised you about running these trips and starting to to have this kind of business? I think how much how similar people are to me and how how much we have in common. And I think we live in our little worlds quite isolated often, you know, doing our own thing when actually there's that solidarity that when you put a load of women together who are in you know similar situations often then you really feel that there's that community and that yeah that solidarity between us and that is really fascinating because they are women from all over the world that come as well so it's not you know I'm not I'm not just you know it, it's open to everybody so that bonding that similarity and that sisterhood which is what I've kind of hoped for but it's actually it's real. You know, it really does exist. And yeah, that's really nice to see. What do you wish, you know, if you could go back to a few years ago when you were just getting started running this business, what advice would you give yourself? It's funny. It's actually the beginning bit wasn't the hard bit. (laughs) The beginning bit was the, I was really in the flow with it. And it was one of these things that, you know, when you get that momentum and you just start working on a project and the ideas are coming in really fast and you just act on them. And if you'd thought about it, if you'd thought about it properly, then you might have stalled yourself because I'd never really run a business like that before. And I didn't know all the loopholes and all that. I didn't know all the pitfalls. and I didn't know all the things I'd have to do to be able to run a tour agency, which is in effect what has happened. If I'd known all of that, I probably wouldn't have embarked on it in the first place. But because it was coming from really a need within me to provide something I wasn't hampered by those things so it's actually it's more difficult later than it was at the beginning if that that doesn't really answer the question but it's sort Mm. of yeah it was it was a different way around so it became harder later and I think now that it's now that it's going there's you know I would have never considered there was so much admin (laughs) involved but there is and but I love it too because it's very personal and I speak to women personally and it's not at all you know it's not a it's not something you can just buy off the peg it's something that people have to come through me and we talk about it and we talk about what they need and what they want and what they're hoping for so it's quite labor intensive. I think you know business is a journey and personal development also, you know, and there's so much yeah. we go into it a bit naive and like you said good thing we do because otherwise we might not start our businesses. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um so it's yeah, it's interesting to know now knowing what you now what you know now looking back on it, mm. you know, what you would yeah. change. You know, a lot of women listening really want to run 
retreats and run trips with their people. You know, it might be yoga teachers or personal trainers or health coaches or, you know, whoever life coaches wanting to run these experiences. Obviously, yours are a bit more adventurous because you you lead expeditions. But could you share some tips about having a good experience with a group in a different place when you go on a trip like that? I mean, as an expedition leader, you're, I mean, there's two ways of leading expeditions. I thought well, as many, but there's two sort of main ways. One is the sort of the sergeant major from the front and one's the sort of facilitator from the back. I've always led from behind. So my job is really to facilitate the group to grow as a group. And that means being very aware of what everyone can bring to the situation. Because although I'm leading it, you know, I don't have all the answers and I'm, I'm not all the personalities. So all these different personalities come into a group and they all have different strengths and weaknesses. So trying to encourage the strengths of the people that come on the retreat or on the expedition is great because then you don't have to do it all. And also it means that you can then fill in the gaps that maybe aren't there. Or if you can see someone needs a bit of encouragement to take on a role, you can be there for them in that respect, which is great because then you get a harmonious group, which grows and supports each other rather than people who are just passive and wanting you to provide for them. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So you're really expecting everybody to, I mean, I guess it makes sense because you're doing expeditions and not like just a retreat where you're sitting around a center. Everyone needs to step up and participate, like really participate, contribute to yeah, everything. Yeah, but it's not, it's not ne- necessarily physically. It's just emotionally being engaged with it. And you can see when people are struggling, you know, when they're when, because they are in a, quite an extreme environment, you can see how they, you know, how other people will come in to help them and give them the reassurance that, you know, maybe they feel a bit like that. And because it's all very well me saying, oh, I know how you feel, but, but because I've done it loads of times. It's not the same. They want to have somebody from the inside saying that they know how they feel. And of course, I'm managing that. So I'm watching and being I'm a very observant. And that's how that's how I operate. So I manage it in that respect. So what would you give as advice to somebody that's running their first group travel experience? So the main thing is to have good ground support. So the people in country to where you're going, you need to have a good relationship with them. And the more the repeat so the more times you go back to the same place the better because you will be able to visualize it you'll be able to know exactly what's going on and you'll so your project partners will be you know they'll support you and that means that you that's a whole load of worry that you don't have to do anymore and i think i mean you have to be able to feel comfortable where where you're going as well so if you're leading a retreat to um somewhere in in africa or asia or you know you need to have either been there or have a very good idea of what it's going to feel like for you. Because what you don't want is for you to be out of your depth and to feel uncomfortable. You have to be on top of your game because you're going to have to be providing and watching and supporting everybody else. So you don't want to be unsure at all. You want to know that where you're going, you're going to feel comfortable. That's really good advice because I think, you know, the fantasy of running these types of retreats is like, oh, well, I want to travel around the world, so I'll just run a retreat there. But really, you need to have gone there first so that you know what to expect. I guess unless you had a retreat center that was really taking care of everything. Yeah. Um, But yes, you just need to be familiar and yeah, on top of it. So I'm curious if we can kind of shift a little bit towards you as a business owner in the wellness space. You know, we have to try to keep ourselves 
balanced and well as we're running our businesses and dealing with all life stuff too. So I wonder if you could share some of your personal practices or habits that help to keep you balanced. Yeah, it was interesting. I was giving a talk yesterday and somebody asked me the same thing. Like, How do you bring that back into Kingston, for example? And I was saying that it's because I have these amazing experiences, I suppose they are the wellspring for me as well. Even though I'm leading it, I'm still experiencing it. And I can just close my eyes now and I can transport myself to a particular place in the desert where I've sat on a rock and meditated. So it's like sounds a bit Star Wars, but it's a, it's a bit like that, that escape where you just close your eyes and you imagine you're in that peaceful place. And, and that's what I can do now. Also, my mind is less busy because of the fact that I'm I'm quite grounded. And I think for me, it's about grounding. I need to walk, walking. I live right near Richmond Park. So that's something I'll do on a daily or, you know, at least twice weekly basis is just go for a walk and just ground myself, not think about too much and just let the thoughts fly in and out. Don't take my phone. Don't try and do anything whilst I'm walking. It's just purely enjoying the space. I practice yoga. So it's it's about finding that balance of intense work where the kids have gone to school and you sit down at the computer and do all of the admin and then taking those times where you have space. And also then again, shutting off when the kids come back and just say, right, I'm I'm there for you now. So you're not pulling yourself in lots of different directions. Of course, sometimes you can't avoid that, but trying to be quite strict about it with yourself. Has that been a challenge, like trying to figure out how to balance work and family? Yeah, I mean, I think I've I've always been, I mean, it's been easier. It's easier recently because they are, um, they're a little bit older, so they can take themselves to school by bus rather than me having to drive them. I think before there was a lot of, I felt I was rushing around all the time, like ferrying them and, you know, trying to get them to school, get them back to school, get them to their clubs. But now I've kind of made a few different changes, like saying, OK, they get the bus to school and the clubs, they have to also be able to uh, get there under their own steam if necessary. I mean, sometimes I will take them, but it's it's again, it's just putting those things in place, you know, getting making sure that meals are planned and, you know, what's coming so that it's not so things aren't too uh, random in the household, I suppose, because I work from my ha- home. So my home is my office as well. So when the kids come in, then that's it. You know, it's pretty much over. Do you have any sort of like morning routine or things you do? I know you talked about walking in nature, which is really grounding. But do you have a morning routine or other types of daily wellness routines? Um, actually, what I tend to do is I'll get up and as soon as, as soon as the children go, I'll actually go straight into work. And then once I've done that sort of outpouring, catching up, catching up, and then then I'll have a break. So then I'll have a sort of, I'll have a, you know, a moment and that's when I'll sort of take stock and then see what has to go on for the rest of the day. So that will be the sort of the time where if I feel like meditating or feel like going for a walk, that's when I'll do it. So it's almost like a, there's like an ebb and flow to the day. So it's quite intense straight away. So I wouldn't spend much time on my own sort of mental space or physical space, work really hard. And then I'll do, then I'll take a break sort of mid-morning where I'll concentrate on myself. How did um, yoga come into your life? Like, how did you decide to train? Are, are you a yoga teacher as yeah. well? Yeah. yeah. So how did that evolve? Well, I've always loved yoga and I went off to India, um, when was this, 1990 something, early 90s. And I went to an ashram there and 
really found it you know it was the whole thing it was India it was all very spiritual and new and exciting and you know incredibly authentic and I remember this sort of old yogi who was about 80 he looked about 80 and he was like all wrapped up in knots and teaching us all these things and I just thought that's so amazing and then came back and just carried on practicing in a small way just doing classes here and there but it was actually when my youngest daughter was about two and I suddenly had a, a few more hours in the day where she was dropped at a play group so I found out about an amazing seasonal yoga course run by two amazing women called Sue Wood and Julie Hansen. And this was a conglomeration of yoga, Hatha yoga, with traditional Chinese medicine. So all of the postures were connected with the meridian system, which is also connected with the seasons, because the whole of the Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine runs on, you know, the seasons and the way that it incorporates that into your body. So this was amazing. And I studied this while my daughter was at playgroup and then there was I think every month there was a whole weekend course where my husband just took the kids and I did the practice and so after a year of this I had my seasonal yoga qualification which was fantastic and then I had never actually done it to teach so originally I just did it because I wanted to do something for myself and I wanted to learn a bit more about yoga and you know the whole spiritual side of it the whole anatomical side of it because I didn't know much about that so it was really for myself but once you have that qualification you think oh I might as well share that because it's quite valuable so I started up a little practice here in Kingston and then you know taught at festivals and also on expeditions I do less of that now in Kingston because I'm away so much and people actually don't like that uh, fact that I'm you know, once they have a teacher they like, they don't want them to keep going away. So I don't do any group classes. I sometimes do one-to-ones and post-operative uh, work as well. You know, as as we're recording this, we're kind of coming up into the new year. And I'm curious, where would you like to take more risk in your life or business in the coming year? I think for me, the risk is not the physical. I'm happy with physical risk. The risk is more uh, in the technological technological side of things, because I'm not traditionally a technological person. You know, I didn't get a phone until I was 38. I'm, I'm, I'm much happier actually out of contact with everybody. And so that, that side of things is really challenging for me. So to take risks in the sort of, in that side, so marketing, websites, all of that, all of that side of thing, that, that's more of a risk for me because I don't understand it as well, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I didn't necessarily mean physical risk either, which is it's interesting in your case, because you take probably a lot of what people would consider physical risk in your. Well, I don't know, in your travels, some people. Yeah. Would, so but yeah, on the marketing side, that's yeah, the vis- yeah. Because there is so much tech involved now in in building our audiences and finding clients. Yeah. And I'm not that doesn't it doesn't feel very natural to me. So I'm much more of a word of mouth person and just really speaking to people and giving talks, you know, that's, I mean, the TED talk was one thing which, you know, came out of the blue. I'd actually never done any public speaking before that at all. But since that, I've done a lot more, which is great. And I love that interaction with an audience. So that's kind of how I operate mostly, I suppose. Can you share how that came about? Because I know doing a TED talk is a big goal for a lot of listeners. Well, completely by accident. I was actually, quite interestingly, I was trying to find somebody to help me. 
because I didn't even know how to post on Facebook. That's how bad it was. So this was January, not last one, the one before. And I was saying, I've got this great idea. I don't know how to get it out there. And this guy was saying, well, I've got to do this social media for champs workshop. Come along. And I said, well, when is it? And he said, oh, it's in about three weeks. I said, well, I kind of need it now because I've only got a few weeks before I can, I need to get this expedition on the road. So he said, okay, come and talk to me, tell me about it. So I went to his, he lived on a narrow boat. So I went to his boat and and he was showing me how to post and how to find photos, you know, all the very basic, basic stuff that I just didn't know how to do. And then he said, I really like your story. I like what you're trying to do. I run these, these nights where people can come up and they're called yes stories. So you come up and you tell your story of saying, yes, would you like to do one? And I thought, well, I can't very well say no. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I'd never done a talk before got up and gave this talk, which was kind of easy and fun and got a really good response, I thought. And I'd always loved TED Talks. So in my, again, naivety, thought, you know, I could give a TED Talk. So I literally just searched, found out when the London dates were. So I thought, I'm from London. You know, I don't want to speak in Massachusetts or something because this wouldn't work for me because I'm not from there. So I'm from London. There's the London TED Talks. The, the, the topic was about confidence. And I was thinking, well, that's perfect because my expedition is about sending women out into extreme wilderness and then which will in turn give them the confidence to carry on with their ordinary lives in a different way and to make changes with their life. So the whole theme fitted. So I literally just wrote down an application, sent it off, went on expedition, came back and there was an email in my inbox saying, oh, we really love your idea. We'd like you to to talk. And I was, I was like, okay, fine. What do I have to do? And I said, well, you need to send a draft all the time thinking they're just going to say, thank you very much. Yeah, we made a mistake or no, we've got loads of people lined up. We don't need you. And went through the procedure, sent the draft off. They sent it back and said, yeah, that's perfect. I said, what, do you want any feedback? You know, have you got any feedback for me? And they said, no, no, no feedback. It's great. Keep it as is. The rehearsal's on this date. And I was thinking, oh my God, now I've actually got to do this. <laughs> and that was, that was the real challenge because then I kind of got a bit scared and realized that I was in Sadler's Wells Theatre, which is which houses 1,500 people, which is kind of a bit of a step up from a 100 people in the top of a pub. So that was when I and I really had to work at learning my words. <laughs> so, um, but they actually were very kind and they provided me with a, a voice coach who helped me just really remember it because that was my biggest fear that I'd actually stand on stage and forget everything. So that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of facing your fears, that's a huge one. Yeah, that was massive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love that because I think sometimes, you know, you might as well just throw something out there and see if it sticks. And you did. And then it worked. And then suddenly you have to, you know, step up and, and do it. But that's how that's like the growing, you know, that uncomfortableness is the growing edge, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. Awesome. Well, it's been great talking to you today, Catherine. Can you tell people where they can find out about you, find out about your expeditions, get in touch, all that good stuff? Okay, so my website is www.cathadventure.com. And there you can find out I do the Matriarch Adventure, which is now sort of the flagship expedition, which is the one I've been talking about for women to track desert elephants and have this transformational experience. I also am leading a mother and daughter expedition. And this was kind of an offshoot of well, it was actually two of the women that came on the first one saying, we'd love to bring our daughters back here. And initially I was thinking, oh, well, you know, I don't really know about that. I hadn't thought about daughters. And then I thought, well, actually, yes, you know, sort of young teen daughters going into early teens and, you know, before they 
fly the nest and want to do everything by themselves, this is a perfect bonding opportunity. So I've devised a new expedition called the Mother and Daughter Adventure. And I'm also leading in March a the Blue Moon Adventure, which is a diving expedition. And this is for women who would like to get more involved with coral reef conservation and really just sisterhood in Madagascar. We're going to Madagascar. You need to be able to dive for that one, but just need open water or advanced a paddy or similar so that's yeah that's the blue moon adventure that's all on my website i have i'm on instagram just starting that that's the chat that's a bit of a challenge for me but i'm on instagram at, at cath adventure also twitter at cath adventure and linkedin awesome and also as always we'll put all the links in our show notes and in our facebook groups so that the listeners can get there but the matriarch adventure which is the the flagship one tracking elephants that's in november so I think everyone listening, if you're interested in that, there's definitely still time to join that. So thank you so much for being here. This is fascinating. And I can't wait to see like how your adventure unfolds with your business. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all the links in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget, if you're thinking about becoming a health coach, you definitely want to get a copy of my health coach decision kit. It's totally free and you can sign up to get your own copy at wellpreneuronline.com slash decision kit. Okay, have a fantastic week and I'll see you back here next week in the next episode. Mm-hmm.